God, I, I want to be a vessel. And, and, and God, if this doesn't go well, I'm not going to blame that on you. And if it does go well, you get all the credit. This is your word and your truth and your work and your people. And, and I'm not, I just, I want to be a help. And I'm not, Lord, I may never do this again. I just, I just pray that your truth would be magnified and that you would help your people and that the things that, are, that I think are from you in my heart, you would keep them there. Help this to be organized and instructive and help the application to be helpful. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So this morning and tonight, we're going to hear two specials from our teens. And this morning, the, these four ladies, young ladies, are going to sing a song. What's the title? Remind me. Nothing greater than grace. It's great truth, great song. So listen as they sing. What do you say to someone who feels like they've lost it all? Over the edge with no one there to break their fall. And what do you say to someone who feels so unloved, giving themselves away a little bit every day just to be good enough? And what do you say to a hopeless soul who can't remember their way home? Everything is out of their control. There is no valley. There is no darkness. There is no sorrow greater than the grace of Jesus. There is no moment. There is no distance. There is no hope. Take you through. So before you think that you're too lost to say, remember there is nothing greater than grace. What do you say to someone whose life is on the line and they're unsure? happens after their last breath in time what do you say to someone who's built a wall you can't break through and it's so hard for them to hear the truth there is no valley there is no darkness there is no sorrow greater than the grace of Jesus. There is no moment, there is no distance, there is no heartbreak, he can't take you through. So before you think that you're too lost to save, remember there is nothing greater than grace. Amazing. 
job ladies praise the lord for that truth the song is such a good message isn't it and man, i love it. so two of those girls are the pastor's daughters and they need grace just because i am the way that i am and then man, just the testimony of miss selvage and her family and they're just so thankful for the grace of god and man nobody's too lost to be saved i mean any you're never so lost that you can't be found and i'm just thankful for that well, growing up, there were two things that, that I knew for a fact about my dad. One thing was this, that there were certain things that if I ever did, I would experience significant pain in my life. You say, well, how did you know about that? Well, because I did them. Amen. And then there was weeping and gnashing of teeth, and I prayed for the rapture or the tribulation, or deliverance, or something. I mean, like, anything has got to be better than this right now. Um, my, uh, one time when I was like, I just got my license, I think I was 16, and my dad had a, this old Chevy truck, and it had the camper shell on it, and he kept all his toolboxes in the back of it. I don't know why, and, and it really annoyed me later. It really messed some things up in my life, but he kept all of his toolboxes back there, and he, uh, and, and he, he would, I had a key to the truck because I had my license. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm going to go out and drive. Well, about three miles from our house, you just, you, it, we were really close to the, the country, and you just go out of our house and go right. It takes you, we're in this hilly country in Missouri, and you drive about a mile, then you take a, then you take a left, and you drive back there a little ways, and you come to this spot. And it, it, it's where the railroad tracks run through the woods. And they don't have any crossing. And it just launched you. I mean, it was delicious. And it was only one direction. But you could, that truck could get air if you go fast enough. And I'm all about safety. <laughs> so we went fast enough. So I, got my, I had my brother in there and like, this is fun. So we did it a few times. Like, dad will never know. It's all good. Didn't have cell phones at the time. Nobody's tracking my behavior TikTok's not following me, nothing like that. So I just, I go home. I think it was the next day. I got home from school, and he was waiting for me in the driveway. And, and I'm not going to tell you how he made this statement. Just the statement went something like this, and he wasn't super excited. The next time you take my truck joyriding, you better make sure to put all my tools back where they go. 
and it opened it up, and I had thrown those toolboxes all over that. No, yeah, it wasn't that funny. Maybe. <laughs> oh, man, I got man. This is another thing, but if you thought that was bad, man, my dad's really passionate about the holiness of God. And he believes that should affect the things that we watch and that we listen to. And I'm not, I'm not getting into specifics here because people are going to draw those lines differently. And I understand that there are some things that we ought to draw the same line on. But then, you know, there's other things you just have to answer to God for. But there were certain things that he wouldn't let me watch that, that you would say, well, I don't know that I'm that tight. And that's fine. You're not the one who gives an account for how he parented. He does. And I remember one time getting caught watching something that I knew he did not want, and he made it abundantly clear, this, this will never happen again. It's not going to happen again. My dad never asked me, he never asked me if I wanted to go to church. I, I See, I didn't like it at the time. I'm like, get up, get ready to go to church. Do I get a vote in this? Like, am, I, am I allowed to tell you what I think about your Sunday priorities right now? Can I give my input? No. <laughs> I, I didn't even get to. My dad didn't care what his child thought. <laughs> like, you're, you're going to church. I mean, we were, my, me and my brother were on a baseball team, and my brother's team, my brother was a starter on the team. He's playing in the championship. The championship game's on a Wednesday night, and he's like, you're going to have to show up to the game late because in our family, we're going to make sure to teach you that Jesus comes first in everything. It's just, boy, you don't have to agree with all that. I'm just telling you what he did. Here's another thing. He's like, you will not be disrespectful to your mom. Look, I'm going to come back to some of these things. That you will not be disrespectful to your mom. The last, the last spanking that I remember getting... <laughs> was when I was when I was 15 or 16 you're like man what did you do to have to get spanked I talked back to my mom no look I had a mouth on me and if you ever wonder why my children are mouthy it's mainly because of Andrea but then I contributed no 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 it's primarily it's primarily because of both of us because we both have this spiritual gift of mouthiness and we both have these testimonies but man that's that's what happened to me I was 15 16 years old and and my mom had told me something that I that I needed to correct or I needed to do and I always had a response and his handling of me was this as long as you live in this house under this roof you will not treat your mom that way no, my mom didn't insist on it. My dad insisted that my mom be treated with a certain amount of respect. Here's what I'm calling everything, everything that I just listed. This is what I'm going to call it. Unwavering conviction. Unwavering conviction. There were, it didn't matter what the culture was doing. It didn't matter what my friends were doing. It didn't matter what the, the, the pop culture was saying about the best parenting techniques of the day were. It was, it was unwavering conviction. But there was something else that I knew about my dad. I'm 40, I'll be 42 next month. As long as I can go back and think, Brother Max, I've always known this. To my first memories, I've always known this. My dad loves me. And I, 
can remember times my dad sitting up late into the night praying with me, crying with me as a kid. So many times my dad teaching me how to fish and teaching me how to hunt. My dad was always bivocational until he retired after over 40 years of ministry. He was bivocational, meaning he worked at a church and he had a secondary job in order to support his family. And, and he would work one job, then he'd work the other job, and he'd come home. And I didn't, man, as a 10-year-old, you don't process those things. You don't understand. You get it. You don't understand how tired your parents are. And it's okay. Your kids don't need to understand right now how tired their parents are. That's your burden to bear. No, I didn't understand how tired my parents were. I just knew that I wanted to go play catch with my dad. And I can, there, there's duplexes there now, townhouses there now, but I can take you to the, to the intersection of Simmons Street and Prescott Street in Alexandria, Louisiana, where my dad would throw, taught me how to field a grounder and taught me how to get under a fly ball and taught me how to keep my glove in the dirt and taught me how to catch the ball and be ready to throw. I mean, I just, I have these memories, but it wasn't, listen, I love sports, but it wasn't about, it wasn't about the baseball. I know my dad loves me. When I talked back, when I wrecked his truck, when he caught me watching things that I shouldn't have been watching, unwavering conviction and unconditional love. It's amazing to be raised in that kind of a home. Here in our text, Jesus is confronting this establishment view of sinners. I know I've already said it, but make sure you have it down, that it's not that the establishment wasn't sinful. Jesus was not telling this parable to affirm their view of themselves. Their view of themselves was completely inaccurate. Do you get that? He wasn't affirming, oh yeah, you're right, you're not sinners. No, they were sinners, and they needed to understand that. And that's why he told the second part of the prodigal son, there was the prodigal who ran away, but then there was the prodigal who stayed home. And so that, that part of it was directed towards them. And so Jesus is telling this parable not to affirm their view of themselves that they were sinless, but to affirm the inaccuracy of their criticism of him that he received sinners. And so he tells this parable of this prodigal son. And so many times we make this account primarily about the prodigal, but it's not primarily about the prodigal, either the one who left or the one who stayed home. It's the parable is about the father and about how he handled it. And we're given insight into the behavior of the prodigal so that, Brother Dave, we can appreciate the conviction and the love of the father. So you have this father, and he has these two sons, and the younger one demands his inheritance. There are two things that were socially very insulting about that. Number one, the younger never received his inheritance before the older. That was completely unacceptable, inappropriate, and out of order. Number two, this is the part that would have been very, very painful. You did not receive an inheritance until your father had died. So literally, this is what the younger son is saying to his father. You're dead to me. And what matters the most to me is the money that I'm going to get from you. And this is what I think of you. 
I would rather you just go ahead and give me my money now because I don't value you. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't care about what you think. I'm not interested in what you have to say. Your life has no influence on the way I live my life. I'm going to do things my way. You don't get to control me. So I want you to give me my inheritance right now. And so basically, it, it almost, it, not basically, literally saying to the Father, you are dead to me, and the only good that I gain from you is to have the money that you've given to me. And so the Father gives him the money, and he goes off and he wastes it on riotous living. Here's what I want you to get. Here's the unwavering, the unwavering conviction of this Father. It doesn't matter how much I love you, there are certain things that you're not going to do in this house. No, you can insult me, you can hate me, you can say things that are hurtful to me, but there are certain things that you will never do in this house. Somebody please remember that statement. I I may need you to remind me of it in a minute. There are things you're never going to do in this house. Hey, hey, look, I understand this isn't popular anymore, but men, to the men, when it says that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, that doesn't mean that you're some kind of king that everybody is supposed to worship. That means that God, you, that God holds you accountable for what goes on in your home. We have way too many dads, way too many husbands that have given up the responsibility to set the standard and the direction of their home that God insists and that God holds you accountable for. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for this. Brother Dennis, I am, I am thankful for this. That it, Look, my mom demanded that we respect her, but she wasn't the one that primarily enforced that. You know who enforced that? My dad. My dad made it abundantly clear that if you go to war with your mom, you go to war with me. And son, you are going to lose that war every single time. No, I'm saying my dad was a man of unwavering conviction. You know why? Because God is a God of unwavering convictions. Look, I'm not trying to be mean, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but there are certain things that no matter how much you care for your children, if you're going to honor God, you cannot allow in your home. There are certain kinds of entertainment. There are certain kinds of language. There are certain kinds of movies. There are certain kinds of music. There are certain kinds of attitudes. There are certain kinds of habits and behaviors that if you're going to honor God as a dad, if you're going to be like God as a dad, you cannot allow them in your home. You know, you know what we have today? We have men that are waiting on their wives to tell them what to believe. No, 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 no. If you take that as an insult to women, you are taking that the wrong way because my wife can clearly define her convictions to you. Not convictions that I have. Convictions that she has because she believes the word of God. That's not my point. But men want permission to believe things about God instead of just believing them about God and getting on the same page with their wife. 
Okay, I can tell I need to park it here for just a moment. Look, I know this for a fact. You have a marriage that's not moving the right direction. Most of the time, the wife is serious about God and the husband is not. I'm not saying every time. I'm saying a lot of times, wives, wives will be serious about being in the Bible. And dad's serious about ESPN or the hunting channel or, or getting promotions at work. No, no, I'm th- you need to provide for your family, but providing for your family isn't the only part of being a God-honoring dad. You need to be able to define some convictions that you have because of your relationship with God. And you need to make it abundantly clear, son, daughter, I love you. you and we'll get to that in a minute. But in this home, this conviction will not be violated under any circumstances. Look, when my children are adults, look, Alexandra turns 21 in October. You think you're having a hard time, Brother Max. She's basically halfway down the aisle. No, not really. Anyway, she, tur- she turns 21. I know this. Alexandra, stand up real quick. Right there. Look, I know this. If she wants to, she can go out and do whatever, whatever she wants with her life. I am aware of that. But if she, ch- this is the way we parent. If she chooses to deviate from the truth of God, there are Christian parents who feel like they're obligated to affirm that deviation from God. And you're not. You're obligated to oppose it. No, no I, I understand this can get really weird. You say, well, my, my, my children have chosen an alternate lifestyle or my children are doing some things that are just not right, not right with God. I'll get to the love part in a moment, but you've got to have some unwavering convictions. That I'm not going to do anything in any way that sanctions behavior that deviates from the truth of God. And sweetheart, you are welcome in my house as long as you want to be there. But there are certain behaviors that will not ever, under any circumstances, be tolerated. Now, she knows this. That's why this isn't awkward. Like, is this the first time she's hearing this? Yes. No, no. You can sit down. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Unwavering conviction. Your kids need to know, men, that they're at church, not just because their mama wants them to be, but because you want them to be there. No, the parenting, we wrapped up our parenting class today. Royal Airs, thank you for being patient. We ended on romance. Hey, men, you need to have some convictions about how your children are going to approach, ro- approach romantic interactions. No, men, you need to. You need to know what the Bible says and why you believe it. You need to be men that have convictions and say, son, listen, as long as you live in this house, you will not talk to your mom that way. By the way, this isn't the main point of the message, but let me go ahead and say this. If you're going to expect certain things from your children, you better be living them out in front of your children. And don't expect your children to respect their mom if you don't respect their mom. Don't expect your children to be able to control their temper if you don't control your temper. Don't expect your children to not pout if you pout and feel sorry for yourself all the time. Don't expect your children to have any kind of standard for loving people and the truth of God if you don't demonstrate that kind of restraint and self-control in your life. We need to be men of unwavering conviction. But we also need to be men of unconditional love.
here's what I think. I think the reason he saw him, Brother Mike, I think the reason he saw him is because every day he went out and looked for him. That's what I think. And I know this is hard, but some of you, you're parenting in situations like this right now. Where you stand on the proverbial porch and you want your child to come back to God. Can I, can I, I believe this. I believe this on the authority of this text. This text. God doesn't give up on people. So can I encourage you with this? You don't give up on people. Let me, let me encourage some parents here for a moment. Um, this is going to happen. I, d- I don't want this to happen. I'm doing everything I can prevent it from happening, but it's going to happen. Teenagers are going to do dumb stuff. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think they have to, but it's just the nature of sinners. And in spite of what you tell yourself, your teenagers are sinners, mine included. And they're going to... And look, I understand there are churches that, 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 that turn ministering to sinners into some kind of parade where we're going to embarrass people and we're going to do different things like that. No, 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 no. We want to be a church that handles sinners the way that the father hindered, handled the prodigal. And what, what is that spirit? It is, it is what, it, what is the word? You have unwavering conviction and unconditional love, meaning this, you can't ever mess up so bad that you're not loved anymore. No, I understand. (sighs) I got to stand up somewhere. Scoot over. Look, I understand that makes people, I understand that makes people nervous. You, You can love people unconditionally without compromising the unwavering convictions. And when a person is willing to humble themselves before God and to begin to pursue him, there is no one that we should not be willing to minister the love and the grace and and the goodness of Jesus Christ to. And can I encourage you in a home, Dad? I understand your sons and your daughters are going to sin. I understand that they're going to mess up. I understand that it's not always going to be easy. But can you please think about in your life how God has loved you unconditionally? And how every time you asked him to forgive you, he forgave you. Every time you said you were sorry, he brought you back and gave you peace and affirmed his goodness in your life. And every time you've fallen, he helped you get back up. And can you love your children that same way? Don't compromise, but neither stop loving your family unconditionally. Why? Because that's how God does us. It's unwavering conviction. God's not going to lower his standard for you. But it's unconditional love. And when you humble yourself before him, you get it all. Oh, no, no. Okay, sorry, girls. Look, look this, is, this is amazing. He didn't make his... I'm not, I'm not talking about working through a reconciliation process. I'm talking about knowing your loved process. You, you understand the difference here? He's like, put a ring on his finger, put a new cloak, new robe on and put shoes on his feet. I'm not talking about we shouldn't have to work through a process of reconciliation. I'm talking about when people are trying to get to God 
God doesn't give himself to them in fragments. He loves them fully. And he affirms his goodness. And he affirms his grace in their lives and his willingness to work. This is the spirit of our perfect father. That he has unwavering convictions. And he loves people unconditionally. And that is the kind of fathers that we should strive to be. Men of unwavering conviction and men of unconditional love. That's who we benefit from. I'm I'm so thankful that God is a God of unwavering conviction because it allowed me to be redeemed from my sins. You know why Jesus died? You know why it cost him his life? Because he's a God of unwavering conviction. Sin had to be dealt with. And it's not a laughing matter to God. But because he loves unconditionally, he'll forgive and save anyone. So this isn't just good. I'm done. Almost. This isn't just good for dads. This is good for God's people. This is what we want to be at West Valley. Look, we're not sorry that we believe certain things about God and that the things that we believe should affect the way that we do church. I'm not going to apologize for that. You know why? You know, you know why we don't have smoke and lights and we're not Man, I want to celebrate. I don't want to rock out. You, you know why? Because I believe that God should be should be held in a different light than the rest of culture. And I'm not here to celebrate my personal music preference. I'm here to celebrate a holy God who exists in all eternity and who deserves to be treated in a very specific way. I'm not sorry for that. I'll talk to you about it in more detail if you disagree or have questions, but I'm not going to apologize for us being reverent to him. I'm not. Look, we stand at certain times. We kneel at certain times. We're not going to let kids get up here and run around on the platform except for Bible school and youth rallies. I mean, we're going we're, we're gonna to treat God. We have unwavering convictions about God. God. There's never a universe or a time when God sanctions sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman. There's never going to be a time when God sanctions a union between two men or two women. There's never a world where God, I don't care what reprobate so-called church leader says, that Jesus would give gender-affirming care to minors or to adults. No, you know what gender-affirming care is? It's recognizing that God created you a male on purpose or a female on purpose, and no matter what crazy things you have going on inside of you or around you, God did not make a mistake, and the doctors who identified you as either a girl or a boy did not make a mistake, and that he created you the way you are on purpose, for a purpose, and he loves you. There is not a world where God sanctions that kind of hideous, hideous wickedness. No, there is coming a day when I'll be in jail for saying those kind of things. No, and that ain't far around the corner. You look everywhere. I'm just telling you, that's coming. But there's not a universe where God changes his mind on that. You know what that's called? Unwavering conviction. Miss Tina, there's not a world that exists where God will ever say that salvation is by being baptized or being a member of a church. There is not a world that exists where a dress code is going to save you. There is not a world that exists 
where a church gets you into heaven. It's only Jesus. And unwavering conviction. I got to say it. But for everyone who has deviated from his convictions, no matter how far, no matter how far, you can have a man that decided he wanted to identify as a woman and did everything he could to change himself. And if that person will recognize that Jesus Christ loves him and died for him, then he gets salvation the same way that you do. It's called unconditional love. Now look, here's what happens. Jesus will change people after he saves them. No, we've, we, we've, we've turned salvation into something else. No, you get saved and then Jesus changes you. You don't change so that Jesus will save you. It's by grace, not by works. It's unconditional love. So this morning, have you ever been guilty repeatedly and thought, man, he's given up on me? No, it's unconditional love. No, you need to admit you did wrong. You need to humble yourself and come back. But there, brother, oh, there's always a way back. But you also got to understand there are certain things that he's never going to compromise. Let's be those kind of dads. Let's be those kind of Christians. And let's rejoice in the kind of God that has unwavering conviction. But he loves us unconditionally. Let's all stand together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to I ask a couple of questions to dads. It is Father's Day I want to ask a couple of questions to dads first, and then I, I just, everyone else, could you respond to this in your heart? Would there be any dads who would say, I have, I have failing in certain areas to have unwavering convictions in my home. There, there are certain areas where I am not aware of, like I should be what the Bible says, or where I am not concerned enough as I should be about what the Bible says. And I'm, I am defaulting to whatever, whatever mom says to do. And I don't make any effort to know or to help her or to support her. There are just some areas where as a dad, I'm not doing a good job of having or of enforcing unwavering convictions. And I need, I need God's help in that. Would you raise your hand as a dad? Yeah, I see, I see him going. Thank you for being honest. I got mine up too. Now, now, ladies, that, that can apply to you, teens, singles, those who aren't parents, that, that can apply to you as well. You need to have, young men, young ladies, you need to have unwavering convictions. I know that you go to different schools. I know that you have different environments that you're raised in, but the truth of God still applies to you. And, and whether you're at home in the safety of a good home or you're at school surrounded by wickedness, you still need to have unwavering conviction. And then I want to ask you this. How many of you would say, and everyone should answer this the same way, I have benefited from the unconditional love of God? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. If that's true, man. Now, here's the second question. There are areas where I struggle to love unconditionally. Maybe it's not my children, but I'm having a hard time forgiving this person. I'm having a hard time letting go of some things that happened in the past. I'm having a hard time of moving forward. Man, woman, child... I am struggling to love unconditionally the way that God loves me. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I see him. I'll, yep. God, 
bless you for your honesty. Let's respond to the Lord. Father, pray that it's helpful and useful. Would you use it? Help us to be responsive to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Nate is going to sing. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him right now. I've won.